This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, December 1st, 2022, and my guest is the awesome Ryan Haynes of Android Authority. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Hi, Miriam. Doing great. Thank you for having me. This is my first actual podcast. Well, it's the first time for everything. You'll see it's just a breeze. We just chit-chat. And uh, you saw the topics. There's really not that much this week. A few new phones, nothing too critical, nothing US-centric, which is kind of fun in a way. And we've got some leaks and rumors. And usually I'm not too big on leaks and rumors, but we do have an hour to chat. So I figured some of these are pretty interesting. So um, let's start with... Today was supposed to be the day we found out about the Xiaomi 13 series. I mean, Xiaomi had made a big fuss for, this is for China, of course, because the global model would come out probably later in the month. But this is their flagship every year. And as you know, because you, you know, you're well aware, the Snapdragon <laughs> 8 Gen 2 is a thing. And the first phone came out last week, the Vivo X90 Pro Plus, which I covered with my guests. And now... We have potentially this was going to be the second Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 phone. I mean, it's pretty confident that one of those, because it's a series, right? Yeah. Possibly the, the 13 Pro or something would be um, Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. But that got canceled. Hadley was like, I heard from the grapevine through Weibo that this was gone. So first, I want to ask you a question, and that's what do you think of the Xiaomi series, if you've ever had a chance to play with them and or look at them? and in this case, what do you think is going on with this delay? So when you let me know the podcast topics, I actually busted out my Xiaomi 12 Pro and fired it up for the first time in, again, I don't know how long. Um, <laughs> A few months. Yeah, easily. And it's, I like how it feels. Um, I feel like it's not the most exciting design, but it's, it feels solid. Um, it's a very... Xiaomi's Android skin is not always my favorite. It's fine. Um, it feels like there's a distinctly different feel to Chinese skins versus like your Samsung's um, One UI, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're going to get a different experience on pretty much every Chinese phone because that's kind of how they go, right? Um, but I feel like in terms of like you used the phone for a while earlier this year. So like, did you feel this was a competitive phone compared to say an S22 plus or something because i mean it is kind of like what they're positioning it as right right i think i mean again it's tough from an american perspective because i'm also on verizon so i couldn't actually ah. pop pop my sim in and use it like i would an s22 plus or otherwise um so i'd love to say yes it's a competitor um it looks like a competitor it feels like a competitor with the snapdragon hn2 it would have all of the potential features to be a competitor mm -hmm. and if it's priced right it could be look at us you can you can get the same things without spending a thousand dollars necessarily i mean that's kind of the thing right that's the thing that has made xiaomi popular in other markets like India and of course china but um, let's let's go outside of china and the markets where they sell it with google's you know services and and apps 
Uh, you can always add it to the Chinese model, but they lock out a few things on Chinese phones. Usually they lock out the ability to change the launcher and to change uh, the messaging app for whatever reason. Uh, you, you can sometimes change them, but it really depends. But you can always put Google stuff on, except for Huawei phones, of course. So, you know, in global markets, you can buy a Xiaomi 12 Pro like the one you have for about, you know, about the same price as a Google Pixel 6 Pro or Pixel 7 Pro. So they're always a little more affordable than say an equivalent Galaxy, which I think is why you know people pay attention. And also, you saw it; you you touched it. It's well made. It's got all yeah. the specs. You know, the display on the 12 Pro is a 1440 display. You know, LTPO 120 hertz. Like it's got. It had the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 back then. It had you know a really nice camera system. Their imaging pipeline is pretty solid. So you know, this phone was interesting to me simply because, in addition to the Snapdragon, you know that we all expected to have, right? The 8 Gen 2. It was going to come in with a bunch of cool camera features, you know, some interesting little things. Like Xiaomi, as you know, partnered with Leica recently and made the uh, Xiaomi 12S Ultra, which is like an insane phone, which has that Sony IMX989, which is like the one-inch sensor that's now no longer an exclusive to Xiaomi and is going to be coming, get this, to, this is the rumor, to the Oppo Find X6 Pro, to the OnePlus 11, probably, 11 series, whatever it's called, 11, 11 Pro. So, you know, I think that to me, what always stands out about Xiaomi is price you know, you still get something that's really high end and you get pretty decent imaging uh, pretty much no matter where you go in the in the lineup, right? So yeah, I think, I think this is a bit of a bummer that it didn't come out, right? <laughs> so yeah. what do you think, what do you think is happening here? I mean, obviously Vivo for China only launched the Vivo X90 Pro Plus. So it's not a supply constraint on top right. in terms of the processor, I think. Do you think it's like, like, I mean, I really have like no idea and I'm pretty well versed on Chinese phones. Do you want to make any guesses? Maybe another part that they can't get their hands on? The only thing I remember seeing is that China recently had a former president pass away and there's a national period of mourning associated with that. So Ah. I don't know if it was all major business kind of launches have to pause. It could be. I think it's, I think I read it's a period of 49 days, which would put it, I almost have to look this up. No, you don't have to. I mean, the bottom line is, is that it's very possible. If that's what it, I never thought of that. And that's very likely to be the case because, you know, then it would be like this happened and we're going to pause the launch and, you know, pretty much kind of a political move for them, right? I mean, they, right. they have to play by the party line. So yeah, I was saying like, what's interesting to me in terms of imaging that that IMX 989 sensor we discussed a second ago is going to be on this phone, supposedly, on, at least probably on the pro version, which, you know, means that it's getting the same sensor as the 12S Ultra. And I was not going to get all the other cams because yeah, the 12S Ultra is, is, a, is an incredible machine. I played with that. Uh, uh, Juan Carlos Bagnell has one and, and I played with it several times since uh, I saw him in LA and I saw him in, um, in uh, Sonoma for the MediaTek event. But, you know, it's, uh, it's hard because you, there's no global version of that phone. So right. this is going to come as a global model. And it'd be interesting to see. I don't think they're going to have the Leica branding because the Leica branding is reserved to China. But it'll be interesting to see how much of 
that features from the 12s ultra carry over to the kind of more mainstream as it were globally available 13 series especially the pro um right so hey, i'm a bum that it's not out there yet that we can't talk about it today in detail but honestly i think it's going to be pretty hot when it comes out oh yeah someone's going to get lucky and get to talk about it with you <laughs> i'm yes personally i'm curious to see if they keep like part of the Leica partnership was a new color science, like a different, yeah. you could choose between two color profiles. And I'll be curious if they roll that over, even if it's without the Leica branding. Yeah, I played with those color profiles on Juan Carlos's uh, phone and it's a little, mm, what's the word I would use? It's a little excessive. Like, um, I don't feel like it's very Leica-ish. It's, it's much more right. like... Um, over the top, kind of like what Samsung's OLEDs used to look like. Like, I'm kind of was more expecting something along the lines of what, uh, you know, Fujifilm does on their standalone cameras, like Fuji cameras, basically, where you have that Velvia color mode, which is basically emulates the slide film from the old days. Yeah. That is very contrasty and the colors are a little punchier, but it doesn't feel quite as nuclear as this, what I saw on the 12S Ultra. Now, I'm being picky here because, you know, I'm an imaging person. <laughs> like some people are going to love that look. And, but it didn't feel very Leica to me. You know what I'm saying? Whereas the right. Hasselblad modes on the OnePlus 9 Pro and 10 Pro and Oppo Find X5 Pro last year were much more like subtle and more like you expect from a Hasselblad tuning. So, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe Xiaomi and Leica said, you know, this is for the Chinese market. The Chinese tastes are into this saturated, really poppy, nuclear kind of color vibe. <laughs> I don't right. know. Will we get that on the 13 Pro or 13, whether or not it has Leica branding? I don't think we will. But whatever. The imaging pipeline on all Xiaomi phones has been pretty solid. The only thing that's disappointed me lately has been their really affordable Poco and Redmi's like we're talking 200 and less dollars yeah. where they're now putting those 50 megapixel sensors, those really tiny ones. You know what I'm talking about. The <laughs> same thing we see on the Moto G series at the low end. Those like, there's no reason these cameras should be 50 megapixels. They should be sticking with 12 with larger pixels and get much better results. You know what I'm saying? Yep. That's exactly yeah, it's interesting too because Xiaomi's in the past at the less than two hundred dollar price point were delivering some really impressive camera performance because again their imaging pipeline is across the board on all three of their brands and is really solid. But those new sensors are so hard to tune because this pixel size is a small, small, and the pixel binning is kind of mad. You know, I'm talking about the Omnivisions and the cheap Samsung 50 megapixel sensors, I kind of feel like they shouldn't even bother. I know they have to, right? Because obviously 50 megapixel looks better on paper, right? <laughs> oh yeah. It's all about how it sounds. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing as a depth sensor for depth sensor's sake. Just slap it on oh, there my God. three you lenses know, looks better than two. This is actually hilarious because there's one phone we're going to talk about next that is like the most ridiculous about this. It's not just this particular phone. It's the entire lineup from that company. Um, but let's switch over to a phone that actually was released this past week. Woohoo! We did get a phone. Strangely from Honor because Honor last week officially launched the Honor Magic VS, which is their folding phone, which is like a Galaxy Fold competitor. And it's the first 
folding phone to come out of China that's actually officially going to global markets like Europe and the UK. So that was last week and that was a big deal. And I really did not expect in my newsfeed to see something from Honor, Honor just a regular phone. The Honor 70 just came out uh, in the late spring and finally made its global debut at IFA in Berlin. I have one, the, the 70. It's a great phone for the money. Really nice. It's got that IMX 800, which is a really nice 54 megapixel imaging sensor from Sony. But now we have an Honor 80 because progress. <laughs> so, of course. <laughs> what's your take? There's three models. What kind of got me interested is the, the 160 megapixel camera because we haven't heard of that size sensor before. But other than that, what's your take? Right. That is the one thing that caught me kind of off guard, wondering just how that's going to bend down by default because, you know, it has to. But then I was also looking at, it has the Qualcomm, the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1 for the 80 Pro. Yeah. And then the 80 has the brand new 782G, which... And just to clarify, it's Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1, the good one. Yes. But it's clocked down a little bit. It's, That's okay. I know. I'm ju it's just a clarification that it is not quite the same one that we're used to. So it's a binned version is what I think it is. They're running their kind of lower yield on that. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Huh. Um, and Interesting. Then I'm, I'm actually kind of more curious to see how the 782G runs on the standard Honor 80, just because Qualcomm yeah, very, sure. very quietly snuck that one out after Snapdragon Summit. Very weird, right, that they didn't just at least drop it there? Yeah. I didn't mention that last week, folks, but there was a Snapdragon 782G announced like a few days after the summit, which I thought was really weird, but, you know, I'm not going to argue. It's also weird because, have you noticed, Ryan, I would like to bring up to you a chip that was announced that we never saw on any phones, at least that I'm aware of. I think it's on one phone, but I can't remember which. The Snapdragon 7 Gen 1. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. Do you agree that it exists? It does exist. I know I've heard about it. Do you agree that you've never seen a phone with one? I, I do think I have to agree. I, if you gave me a, a row of phones and said one of these has a 7 Gen 1, I could not tell you which one it is. Like, I would jump on it and run some benchmarks because I'd be oh, like, yeah. I want to see this. Do you agree that calling a Snapdragon 782G or 782G is weird in the land, in the world, in the branding universe that is now Snapdragon number, gen number? Yes. Yeah. See, if, if this came out and they just told us that the 782G was the 7 Gen 2, I'd be like, sure, because it would make sense. It would stick with the program. But I guess we're going to have two different naming structures. But no, we're going to be, I, I don't know. I just don't understand this at all. Like this is just, to me, completely puzzling at this point. So, you know, what's interesting to me here is that you look at these phones, they're China only for now. They might be coming to you know, globally, like in three or four months, like they always do. And the design aesthetic is interesting, it's changing a little bit. Like the either Honor 50 and the Honor 70 were more like all of them, the entire series was more in line aesthetically with the Honor 80, the middle child here. And then this 80 Pro kind of has an, 
kind of squarification or ovalization of the the kind of binocular uh, camera pod, whereas the 80 SE, if you put it down next to a Oppo Reno or something, I'd think that's a BBK group phone. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it almost <laughs> um, the the shape of the ADSE's camera bump actually reminds me of the Nord N three hundred from OnePlus. That's exactly it's right. Yes, almost identical. Yep, hundred percent. I mean, and so you know, I mean, interesting. This design language is evolving. I, I'm very strange about that ADSE looking like a BBK group phone. It looks like a number of Realmes and Vivos and OnePlus phones, honestly, and Oppo, of course. But it's interesting that we have a 160 megapixel main sensor on the 80 Pro and the 80, which I have never heard of that resolution. And I'm not quite sure to what to make of it. The other interesting thing is that the Pro and regular model have a 50 megapixel selfie camera. And the Pro has, you know, a uh, oval cutout very similar to the iPhone 14 Pro with a, a secondary depth module in there, two megapixels. Now, it's not the first time that Honor and Huawei, by the way, have done pill-shaped um, hole punches because you look at the P40 series from uh, Huawei, that, that was a thing. And even some older Honors before that, that was a thing. But never have they put it in the middle like that. You remember how the Galaxy S10 series had yeah. it as well? But it was to the right. Well, the Honors and Huawei's have had it to the left. And now this is the first time that they're like, oh, let's make it look like an iPhone because they kind of did. Interesting. Uh, the other thing that stands out is, you know, 120 hertz displays, of course, AMOLED, you know, these are really nice phones. Like, I just was a little disappointed with the Honor 70 when I got it in hand that it was a plastic phone all around. Uh, maybe the back was glass, but that the frame was plastic. Right. It felt kind of cheap in hand, even though it was really well made. And I'm hoping that the feedback I gave to the Honor team, because we had a little dinner with Honor folks at IFA, that they took that into account. Because, you know, it kind of reminds me of Reno phones. Oppo Reno, when it first came out, aluminum and glass, super high-end. They were mid-rangers, but they were super high-end phones in terms of feel, hand feel. And then they went to all plastic all the way. And then starting with the Reno 7, they were like, oh, wait a minute. We should go back to making them premium. And they're finally back to normal. So I'm a little surprised that, you know, the Honor 70 was so cheap feeling. But I hope that they fixed it here. And yeah, 160 megapixel camera. I've never heard of this. It's got 0.75 micron pixels, f of 1.8. Like, there's nothing crazy here. The other thing that I gave them feedback about was on the Honor 70, they didn't have OIS on this incredibly great IMX 800 sensor from Sony. I'm like, you're wasting this sensor in low light. You're like making your life more difficult. At the price they were selling the Honor 70, which was like 600 euros or something, like almost flagship level. Right. I couldn't believe they hadn't put a YS on it. So I told them, you got to fix that next time. So maybe this has it, but it doesn't seem to indicate anything. Pricing on this, it's very, very similar to the 70, meaning, you know, like 490 for the Pro, uh, you know, 573 for the higher trim level. Add $100 to that to get like an equivalent European price, basically, because... Right. You know, Chinese phones are always like about a hundred euros or a hundred dollars less uh, than uh, you know what you see the prices at when they first come out. Three seventy-seven, four sixty are the two prices for the eighty. 
And then the ADSE is definitely more of a mid-ranger. You know, it still, still has an OLED at 120 hertz. It's, you know, it doesn't have like a 64 megapixel camera. It's got a Dimensity 900, you know, so nothing too spectacular. But I'm intrigued by that Pro because of that 160 megapixel camera. And I'd love to hear your thoughts when you, as somebody who doesn't handle a lot of Chinese phones like I do, when you see these phones, like what crosses your mind? Are you like, I'm interested in finding out more? Or are you like, meh, they kind of all look the same and I don't care? I'm, I'm interested in like getting a chance to play with them more than I am like, I want to spend a month with it. Because to some extent, a lot of them do look the same. A lot of them, I mean, like the 80 and the 80 Pro are kind of similar spec as far as the 160 megapixel camera. Um, and it almost makes makes me want to reach for the 80 more. I think I like the just the punch hole. I weirdly like the rounded camera bump. I'm not Yeah, I like it better than that weird rectangularized one on the Pro for sure. Um, I do like that the Honor branding is pretty minimal here. I know yeah. they've had some where it's a big old Honor slapped on there. And yeah, that was the old days, you know. That you know who does that now? Realme. Realme is that yeah. that brand now. <laughs> like I like I like the clean look. I just don't know that I'd spend a super long time with it. Yeah, no, I mean, this is the kind of phones that I use for a week or two, you know? Yeah. I get them, I try them out. That gives me a good perspective. You know, my audience, a lot of folks are in India, a lot of folks are in the UK and Australia and Canada. Canada doesn't get all of the phones, but believe me, they get more phones than we do in the US. Like they get some phones from brands that we don't see at all in the US, yet they're just our neighbors. In fact, I'm in Vancouver right now, my second home. So I sometimes see people out there on the streets with phones that I'm like, aha, cool. <laughs> you know, it's nice to not just see a sea of iPhones. Well, there's still a sea of iPhones here. Yeah. But in addition to a Samsung or folding phone or something every now and then you, or a Moto or whatever, every now and then you're like, oh, look, uh, I did not expect I would see like, you know, I don't think they have Xiaomi per se, but I think they might have had some... Uh, some other Chinese brands here for a bit. Like maybe they had Oppo and Vivo for a while. But anyway, correct me if I'm wrong, folks, uh, in the Twitters. Uh, but anyway, I, I think this is cool. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on it. I probably won't get it until it's a global product. Uh, also, we have 66 watt charging here, which is fine. Uh, you know, 4,800 milliamp hour batteries. You know, again, what's nice about these phones is if you want something that's I know I hate to say this and Honor won't like me for saying it, but I've talked to them about this feeling that I have. If you want something that's similar in terms of look and feel to Huawei, but you want Google services and Google apps and the full support, Honor is the way to go. Because the two companies branched off of one another, but it takes a number of years you know, for them to develop their own style and R&D and everything, right? Even though like they are now two years into this separation. One of the conversations I had with them at IFA was that they said, look, you got to give us more time. Like, I know we feel very similar right now, but we're very much separate companies. And it's just that like we divvied up the R&D engineers and the designers. So of course they come from the same fabric. So we're, we're slowly going to diverge. But for a while there, you're going to see some commonalities, some similarities. So, you know, Right now, that's to your benefit. If you, like me, love the Huawei phones of past because they were such powerhouses, 
and you want that flavor, but you want your Google, Honor is definitely the player to look for. And they're sold globally. So you, if you're in the UK or something or Australia, you shouldn't have any problems using these phones. The bands will work. Everything will work. So, you know, it's kind of nice to have, right? I know I would give it a try if I were in a different market. Like if I knew I could make the most of using it, I'd be, like I said, I'd try it. Absolutely. The price is right. Yeah. Uh, again, even if it's a little more expensive in the UK or something, you're still going to get a pretty decent spec package. And, you know, it's different, right? Like it's for those of you and audience here that changes phones almost every year. Why would you try something different for a year? You know, it's like you want to try a flip phone for a year. You're going to do that, right? Like yeah. it's not the end of the world because you know that next year you get something else if you want to. So, you know, other people, they just here, especially in North America, they walk into a Verizon or T-Mobile or AT&T store and they, they're stuck for two or three years or whatever, right? But this is not the audience we're talking to right now. There are people like you and me, Ryan. So they're all just <laughs> going to try stuff out. Yep. The next phone I want to talk about is interesting. Infinix 05G 2023. The phone itself is not that interesting, but the Infinix brand very much is because a month or so ago, they launched the Infinix Zero Ultra, which was their flagship, which is an incredible phone for about 350 US dollars. And this 05G is, you know, $239 is the price on that. And you look at the specs and it's, you know, it's nothing spectacular, but what always amuses me about the Infinix phones is that they always have superfluous cameras. Like they are the only ones out there that they don't even, you don't even know if the cameras are hooked up to something. Like they're not stickers, although they probably should be, <laughs> but they are literally describing these two extra cameras on the back as, you know, I look at the spec sheet here. I think one is called a depth camera, which actually makes somewhat sense. And the other one's called a micro camera, not macro, micro. So I will let you judge for yourself what that might mean. Like, I have no idea, frankly. I'm just like, what? So the bottom line here is that Infinix is sold mostly in developing countries, Africa, parts of Southeast Asia. And they have a sister brand called Techno. You might have heard of it too, Ryan. And so Techno and Phoenix, I've had a few of their phones. I love them. For the money, they're really good value. Um, what they lack is sometimes they don't have NFC because in those markets, that's not critical. Some phones do. This one does. The, the Zero Ultra, their high-end one, did too. But not all of them do. A lot of them have LCDs and not OLEDs. This new one has an LCD, which is 120 hertz, but you see, you can see, I've got the phone here. You can see it's an LCD, right? right. You got that the viewing angle weirdness and uh, you know the polarization issues. Uh, it's not a bad display. It's very punchy, contrasty, looks nice, but it's definitely an LCD IPS. Whereas their OLEDs, I've found like on the Zero Ultra, much, much better. I'm a bit of an OLED fan, of course. I understand for some people that doesn't work because in low light, there's a lot of flicker. But, you know, I like that Infinix reserves OLED for their high-end phones so they can keep the price down and put an LCD on this phone, which is 239 And you look at the specs, it's got that brand new Dimensity 1080, which we haven't seen on any phone yet. At least I'm not aware of it on any phone yet. The 1050 is on the edge 2022 from Moto, but that's a millimeter wave capable chip. So this is a little better. 
No millimeter wave though. And uh, you know, the, the the rest of the spec sheet honestly is is pretty, pretty decent. So I, I think that um I don't know. I'm I'm pretty happy. I'm I'm reading some notes I have here from from the PR people. The phone was announced this morning, so you won't find too much about it yet. Uh, so it's Dimensity 1080, and it's got a 6.7 inch display, which is a 1080p, 120 hertz. But it doesn't. It's not very bright. 500 nits. 5,000 milliamp hour battery, 33 watt charging, and it has eight gigs of RAM, but they call it 13 gigs of RAM because, well, they have that five gigs of, you know, virtual memory, I guess. Yeah, they call it extended RAM. And it's just, stop it already. No. <laughs> okay. Tell us it's eight. We're fine. Like, we're fine with eight on a $240 phone. Eight I know, okay. exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of have to think of this phone along the same lines as that N300 the, from OnePlus, the OnePlus Nord N300, which is a North American market product, which I'm using right now a little bit to kind of get a feel for where they're going with that. Again, this also only an LCD, and, and, but the camera system, you know, is possibly better on the OnePlus. I'm actually pretty impressed with the OnePlus N300 in terms of imaging. I feel like... You know, the N20 last year, I really enjoyed. But if I were to buy one today, one of those two phones from Timo or something, I'd probably pick the N20 simply because of the OLED. But imaging-wise, I was pretty surprised at what um, the N300 brought to the table. And here's the thing about the Infinix phones is their imaging pipeline is surprisingly good. Like, they might have these superfluous cameras. You can kind of get over the fact that they're kind of cheating in a way with these extra cameras, and it's kind of all very silly. I feel like, you know, it's um, overall still a pretty great experience in terms of imaging for the price you're paying. So I actually have the reviewer's guide here that has some specs. I didn't send you that. But let me tell you a little bit about what I found in that in that spec sheet because... All right, so here we go. The main camera is a 50 megapixel. Now, it probably does not have OIS, but knowing Infinix, this is probably a large 50 megapixel sensor. They don't mind spending money on a decent main rear sensor, even though the other ones are superfluous. And then the front is a 16 megapixel. But, you know, look at the... Infinix Zero Ultra from last month, it had a it has a 200 megapixel sensor from the Xiaomi 12T Pro, the Samsung HP1, the the massive 200 megapixel bonkers sensors from Samsung, and it has it with OIS on a phone that costs $400. That's kind of incredible, right? That's that's unreal. Yeah, and it has and it has uh, like 210 watt charging or something, like some crazy ass. Fast charging <laughs> speed, right? So my point is, Infinix is not going to be for most of the people listening right now, unless you live in Africa and you like get get a really good deal. But I just want folks to keep an eye on Techno and Infinix simply because, like, they are in a way even more value focused and delivering that value than say companies like Poco or Redmi or Realme, who are kind of like the the affordable value leaders from BBK Group and Xiaomi Group. You know, and that's that's nothing to sneer at. That phone has 256 gigs of storage and micro SD. This yeah. phone right now for $239. That's not bad, right? No, it's not bad at all. 
So, you know, and then it comes in this cool color. I have the orange one. Um, you saw the, the renders. Um, it kind of looks like an Oppo Find X in the back, like that Find X 3 Pro, Find X 5 Pro, where the glass kind of raises into the camera bump. Of course, it's plastic, yeah. but it's really well done, and it feels like it feels more luxurious than you'd think by looking at it. So, you know, I, they're definitely doing something right, which is kind of why I wanted to talk about them, because, you, you know, nobody talks about these phones. <laughs> it's, like, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> it's just funny. And but yeah, check it out. Yeah, two thirty nine is almost the price where you can just pick one up for the fun of it. Like it's exactly. not you're not you're not necessarily breaking the bank just to try something very very different. You could use it as a burner phone, even you know, like yeah. if you if you're in North America here and you want like a weird little phone that you keep. I wouldn't say keep in your glove box because you're gonna kill your battery with all the temperature differences. But keep it in your you know, uh, emergency purse or something like keep it in your, the drawer of your front door so you can run off and grab it on the way out. Keep like a, you know, it's SIM from Mint Mobile or something in there that's really affordable. And then, you know, just go from there. It'd be, it'd be interesting. Also, I've noticed a lot of these, especially this is a 5G phone because it's Dimensity. Usually there's some band that will work with a T-Mobile SIM. So T-Mobile or, you know, equivalent. So if you yeah. have like, Google Fi or, you know, whatever it else is on Timo these days, like Magenta or whatever. Metro, Mint. um, That's what I'm thinking. Metro by Timo, not Magenta. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to have some options, which I think is is cool. So, yeah, there we go. All right. Um, The next thing I want to chat about is... Well, some leaks, and this one is from Android Authority. There is, of course, some Pixel 7a renders. Look, I don't know if this is as much of a leak as a duh, you know, because yeah. like we kind of knew the Pixel 7a would look like the 6a and or the 7, 7 Pro. It's probably not going to have too much of a variation on the design, right? Like, right. It's do you not even gonna... think these are proper leaks or do you think that somebody's just Photoshopping here? I, it's very much someone just going, yeah, this is what it's going to look like. So here's a picture of what it's going to look like. I would be So these are not Google leaks, right? I don't think so. I would be shocked if it looks any different than this. I think it's it's probably pretty darn close, but it's right. not it's a leak ish. Yeah. With it, it's got a little asterisk next to the leak. Yeah, that's kind of why I was like, man, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's kind of amusing to me that we're starting to see leaks, even if this is probably not from Google, you know. Um because Google has got to be the leakiest company ever. <laughs> like, I mean, if this is going to come out, what, in May or something for Google I.O., it's possible we're going to start seeing leaks, at least in January, you know, some solid leaks. And I wouldn't be surprised if they don't do much to it that compared to last year, that they do kind of like what they did when they went from the 4A 5G to the 5A, right. where... They added water resistance. They made it a little narrower. They it was very incremental, but these increments were really significant in making the phone better. Remember that? Like right. they looked identical, but you're like, and at first you you would I was really dismissive when I got my five A review, and I'm like, seriously, Google, you're not trying same chipsets, same everything. And then I started using it. I was like, oh, so delightful. And then the slightly narrower body felt better in hand, and the fact that it was water resistance, even though I didn't test that, was a nice thing to. To have and you know the performance uh, one more year of tuning of performance iterations on running that you know 
Snapdragon 765G, the, the most ubiquitous Snapdragon of all time, <laughs> you know, uh, was, was delightful. And of course, the 6A one up that. So w- do you think we're going to get the Tensor second gen chip in this 7A or do you think we're going to get the old original Tensor? I would expect we'd get the Tensor G2 just because they went with the original Tensor for the 6A kind of mm-hmm. keeping it right in line with the 6 and 6 Pro. So it would yeah, almost but, seem like a stranger step for them not to add the G2. I'm just wondering if there's a cost thing there. You know, can they, they could probably get away with just the original Tensor, right? Right. I mean, they probably could get away with it, yeah. I guess it's how much do we expect Google to change or to just be like, we've made these other improvements, so be fine with the chipset for a little longer. Like, to me, if they added wireless charging... For example, I'd take that over a uh, second-gen tensor. Even even if they kept everything else same, the old 12-megapixel sensor, like I'd be happy with that because yeah. that's something that's valuable to me. Because also, there's very few phones at that price point that have wireless charging other than the iPhone SE. And of course, some Chinese phones and others. Right. But you know, Chinese phones are not big on wireless charging. You really have to go high-end to get it. So yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. It's just more like this leak kind of made me smile because I'm like, yeah, anybody with Photoshop can create a Pixel 7a right now. Like, that's uh, not a big stretch, guys. Right. <laughs> the, the rumored dimensions are almost my favorite part because it's like, it's basically the same size as the 6a. And I love the size of the 6a compared to oh, the 6. Oh, it's such a great size. It's, yeah. It's, the part, it's, it's what I wanted from the 6 in terms of size. Yeah. 100% agree with you. God, I love the 6A so much. <laughs> like, if it had wireless charging, I, would, I totally would think of rocking that phone. For me, that's a big missing feature. Yeah. The only really thing that's missing. Um, all right, so we got more leaks. And this is, again, we've discussed the fact that Oppo is going to come out with a Find N2 is a given. Around this time last year is when we got the Find N, the first generation. And... You know, the rumors have been brewing up. We, we had another rumor a couple of weeks back on the podcast, but what's stood out for me here is that this is confirmed to be essentially the same form factor. This kind of like when it's closed, it looks like an iPhone mini. And when it's open, you only get 7.1 inches. So really, it's not that much bigger than a standard large phone, right. but it's it's more square, right? Less rectangular, right? Because you get that aspect ratio. So, you know, again, 120 hertz display inside and out, 5.54 outside, 7.1 inside. This is pretty much exactly the same as the N. But uh, I love that form factor. Honestly, I have that phone, the original, the Find N, and one of my favorite phones uh, of the end of 2021. And too bad it's a Chinese phone, so I wasn't able to change yeah. the launcher or the messaging app. But other than that, everything else works like a charm. Google Pay works, you know, whatever. So we're looking at, uh, I think, slightly improved selfie cams at 32 megapixels. Again, these are all leaks. The Sony IMX800 for the main camera, so up from the 766 from last year. The 766, as you guys know, it's like, you know, we were saying earlier, Snapdragon uh, 765G was like on everything. There was an IMX... 586 that was on everything for a while and that became eventually superseded by the imx 766 which i would like to say probably three quarters of bpk group phones have that sensor right now maybe maybe less but it's close it's a lot 
possibly two thirds, but it's on everything. And I have a feeling that next year on the high end side, I'm talking about high end phones, right? Like, so anything above $700. but it's interesting that they went with the 800 because there's two versions of the 800. There's a 54 megapixel and a 50 megapixel. And one is slightly different. I think there's a letter after one of them and that differentiates them. But I'm not exactly sure what the differences is. But the 50 megapixel version on this is the newer one. So uh, it'll be interesting. That's one of the sensors that Qualcomm announced support for on the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 for the quad uh, high dynamic range feature so you know the 766 was super popular i wouldn't be surprised if the 800 becomes very popular on mid to high-end phones next year alongside that one inch 989 as well right and then uh only a 2x telephoto probably no ois on the telephoto which is what the n had which is what the oppo find x5 pro has they're using a lot of um computational fusion to get the telephoto photos so that that's really just think of it as a sensor to kind of capture a little more detail in the center of the photo uh it's not really using a photo directly from that 32 megapixel it's kind of like blending it in fusing it with what the main sensor is getting and using the ois from the main sensor to get a good shot so that's what we saw and that's what the mary silicon x imaging chip did on the Oppo Find X5 Pro. So I expect this to be the case here. What surprises me about this phone is that this is a Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1 and not 8 Gen 2. And I think that's possibly because they started developing this a while back because the Oppo Find N last year was the same. It didn't have the 8 Gen 1, it had the 888 Plus, which, or even just the 888, I can't even remember now. I'd have to check that. But the point is, I could go on. I'm happy to see an N2 and the specs are on point. Do you have any thoughts on this form factor and this phone in particular? Having never gotten to play with the Find N, I'm very excited for this one, partly because I love Oppo's design. Like I love the the camera bump that just bleeds into the back, but also I'm not I'm not always a big phone guy. So I'm very excited to get to play with something that's normally the size of a small iPhone and then opens into something more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I like to try to play with non-Samsung folds when I can, which is not very often because there's yeah. often not much point living in Pennsylvania. So I hear you. Mm-hmm. Like any chance to play with it, I get, I'm going to take it. Well, yeah, and you should. I mean, hopefully you can get your hands on one. It's a great form factor. Like, that's the thing. I'm not one of those people like Michael Fisher or, you know, all our friends who use folds and love folds. We have a lot of them, like Narav and others. I'm not one of those people who is a multitasking beast, right? Like, who uh, will rearrange the the large seven-point whatever-inch open tablet-ish display to, you know, display multiple apps and multitask. I'm more of a switch between apps. And I want more real estate, but I don't necessarily want a bigger phone. You know what I'm saying? So right. now the Flip is a, is a good example of that. You open it and it's just the same size as like a, a Pixel 7 Pro, right? Great. But this is even cooler because you do have that front screen that's perfectly usable. If you really yeah. want to one hand and do something and then you open it up, now you get seven inches, like a little more. And it's just enough more that you can actually like do some good stuff. Like you can 
looking at your photo gallery is a whole different experience as 7.1 inches versus 6.7. Like, doesn't sound like much, but it's the difference between using a, an iPad mini and yeah. using your phone, you know? So, and slightly off topic, but on Twitter today, I saw a video of what might be an Oppo flip phone. So yes, like a, there's been rumors of an Oppo yeah. flip. Yeah. And I, I got to see someone open and close it on a video. And oh. Like where, where the flip has the screen go this way. Yeah. It's kind of out of focus. Um, Oppo's approach is like the screen goes up and then the cameras are over here. And it's... I see. It's, I'm hoping it's more like a very small phone and not just like basically watch widgets. Because um, I, I, I'm kind of the same way. I don't love to rearrange a giant fold screen, but I love to carry a flip because it's so small and I can just... Pop it yeah, right I on. love, I love the flip too myself. You remember the TCL Chicago prototype or the one that they um, never released but were making like a few media got their hands on it. It also had, I think, the vertical front display. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's I think a, a good idea, but I don't think you're going to get a full Android running on there. No. I think it's just going to be more of a watch widget type deal. Um, yeah, there's been rumors of them making a flip phone for a while. I, I'm totally on board. That would be great. But I also kind of love that they're pursuing this kind of tweener form factor in a way. Yeah, You know, so exciting news that we have some specs and these look pretty solid. We should know more on December 14th, which is every year Oppo has their Inno Day or their Innovation Day. And uh, they always announce big news there. That's when they launched the Oppo Find N last year. That's where they launched the Mary Silicon X chipset, which is their newer processor that used by the ISP on the Oppo Find X5 Pro and clearly on this coming uh, phone. But they also an old they also have an older Mary Silicon non-X that they have used on the Oppo Reno 8 Pro recently. And that was combined with a Dimensity 8100, which is pretty interesting. And then, of course, the Mary Silicon X is also now on the Reno 9 Pro, which was just announced last week. So they're definitely trying to spread out that, you know, custom ISP solution to more phones. and. What does it bring to the table? Better efficiency in terms of battery management, but more importantly, incredibly good low light performance, especially for video. Like you can completely destroy an iPhone in low light video performance by using an Oppo Find X5 Pro. Try it sometimes. It's unbelievable how good the low light video is on a Mary Silicon X device. It's like, wow. Like every time I think yeah, the iPhone's the best for video for sure. I shoot with an iPhone when I do my videos for my channel. But in low light, I've never seen better video than what comes out of the Mary Silicon X devices. So there you go. Okay, let's see what else we got here. We have a bunch more rumors. So this is kind of a given. You're gonna all laugh about this. There's rumors that the Galaxy S23 series will have satellite connectivity surprise i mean that's kind of a almost a no-brainer right isn't it yeah it's the most exciting feature that i hopefully will never have to use you know i'm torn by this because i feel like i mean two or three years from now i think every phone will have this functionality right like it's it's no-brainer it probably doesn't require yeah. that much hardware to 
to add. But I'm much more excited by, by what T-Mobile announced last, when was it, summer, in partnership with Starlink, which is ubiquitous 5G connectivity via Starlink on any existing 5G phone. So imagine you don't have to have special hardware. All you have to have is your carrier talk with the Starlink network and Starlink's new satellites include 5G connectivity and bands that support what we already have in our phones, at least on T-Mobile phones. And now all of a sudden, it's not gonna be as fast and as consistent as a cell tower because the satellites are constantly moving overhead. It's a big constellation, thousands of satellites. But imagine that just standing in the middle of the desert with normally no cell phone signal, you'll be able to send an image in chunks over a few, maybe a minute or tens of seconds by pinging multiple satellites as they fly overhead over 5G and get your answers back. Like that is to me way more interesting than when Apple and Samsung and even recently the Bullet Group, the cat phones, you know, in the UK, they just announced uh, MediaTek and them worked on a phone that has satellite connectivity similar to the iPhone. Then these dedicated low bandwidth emergency only kilobits per second networks. That, That to me is BS. Like I would much rather have a little more you know, sporadic bandwidth than a small steady trickle that is, you know, you have to point the phone in a certain way to get. That's just me. Right. No, I think that's spot on is if T-Mobile's doing it and it can do it for everyone, don't, I don't want to have to just have, this is an emergency feature that most people are never going to have to use. Plus, you have to pay a subscription for that emergency feature. Remember that, guys, right? Like, knowing T-Mobile, I wouldn't be surprised if they pull another on-carrier move and all of a sudden, all of us T-Mobile customers, I'm one, has that. Like, I've just, you know, I've been roaming on T-Mobile internationally for years for free, and now I just got 5G roaming for free. Like, now it's fast when I go to Germany, okay? And I don't pay more. And all of a sudden, because I'm on United Airlines, that's my airline for better or for worse, because I travel a ton and I had to put all my eggs in one basket, and United is based in San Francisco, where my primary residence is. I was just like, all of a sudden, I'm on a United flight, and I'm like, if you have a T-Mobile customer, you get free Wi-Fi, put your phone number in here. I'm like, I didn't pay for this. My plan hasn't changed, and all of a sudden, I got this extra perk. If they can give me satellite connectivity all of a sudden in the middle of the desert, and it's not just an emergency thing, but I can actually use it to upload that one picture to Instagram, like, screw that. I'm not going to use an iPhone and pay Apple $20 a year for that one time I'm going to fall down a ravine, okay? (laughs) No, it's, I mean, it's how do exactly you feel right. about like, that? No, that's exactly the right approach. Is that's what makes T-Mobile great? Is if they just throw it at you, <laughs> you're gonna be like, "Of course, I want this." I didn't know how and much I, I wanted it. I would pay for this, honestly. I mean, I would pay for this even, and even on T-Mobile. Like, if they said it was twenty, because that's more useful to me. Because it's yes, it's an emergency feature. That's great, but it's yeah. also I can actually use it for like something that i might need to use in the middle of nowhere briefly you know right with the understanding that there's no guarantee and it's not going to be rock solid but you know some normal cellular networks are that spotty so i'm i'll take that extra connectivity you know even especially if i don't have to change my phone you know yeah. if <laughs> it doesn't like, if it doesn't make you use a galaxy or an iphone at all times then what's the problem 
Exactly. It's exactly and what you want. Starlink has offered to partner with the other networks for this. So it's not, they're not trying to be exclusive to Timo. Timo was the first to kind of bite the bullet on this and said, yeah, I want it. But I feel like they've offered it to AT&T and Verizon as well. And, you know, now it's up to them to decide, you know, how much do they want to be to Elon's bidding, I guess. That's probably a big question to ask yourself. <laughs> it's a question oh, that, that changes everything. Okay. So... Satellite connectivity coming to S23, we know that's coming. I'm pretty sure it's um, more in line with what Apple's doing, you know, like using a partner like Global Star, which is slow bandwidth, emergency only, just because, of course, Samsung is going to do that. Of course, Samsung is going to try to compete with Apple and get exactly the same functionality, you know, an emergency only, low speed kind of thing, right? Yeah. But everything they can do, we can try to do better. That's <laughs> basically how they think. Speaking of other rumors, and this is, you know, I don't generally do Apple iPhone rumors, especially not in this early in the cycle. I mean, they're just barely able to sell their <laughs> iPhone 14 Pros in enough numbers right now because of all the disruptions in China and their factories. So... You know, iPhone rumors, they're only not my thing. But this one is interesting because... It's about a camera sensor that Sony and Apple are working on together to improve the iPhone 15. And so I'm, you know, me and imaging, I'm kind of on board, right? So you saw the rumor. We don't know what the sensor is, but here's my theory. My theory is the IMX989 is this sensor that's one inches that's coming to a lot of Android's flagships. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a variation of that on the iPhone 15. Maybe not one inch, but we're definitely going to get one of those Sony higher end high pixel count but not too high like 50 megapixels but large pixels with some crazy you know quad dol hdr type stuff and a bunch of other functionality to improve video and photo performance yet to another level on the next iphone and it might not be the 15 but definitely on the 16 so i'm excited to see this rumor because again it's just a rumor but at the same time it's nice to see that potentially Apple will be playing in the same leagues as what we've been seeing on Android for a while, because while Apple just introduced 48 megapixels and did it very well on the 14 Pro, right? We're not quite there yet in terms of catching up with the competition. And a lot of Apple people are now losing their minds <laughs> in the comments, as it were, because they're like, Miriam, look at how good the photos are on the 14 Pro. Like, I know they are, but you have to understand that what some of these Android phones like the Vivo X series can do is just way beyond that. Like a low light photo taken with a Vivo X80 Pro or the upcoming X90 Pro is just going to blow away anything the iPhone takes. Are you going to say, well, it's only low light? But yeah, but the point is there is a lot of progress happening in imaging on Android first. And I would love to see the delta of time between that progress and Apple adopting it reduced a little bit. Like we still don't have a periscope lens on an iPhone. How is that possible? Even Google has that, right? And if you're behind Google in adding new hardware, what are you doing? I mean, yeah, oh man, <laughs> slam, totally. Like, no, but you, you are so correct. Like, that's my point. It's like, how can you be, you know, and I, I know a lot of people like, like they take their time and they fight tune and you have to say yeah. like that 48 megapixel implementation, mwah, gorgeous. But I just feel like there's so much other stuff going on. Like, you know, 
that you're just not benefiting from. And I want to see my iPhone friends be happy because, you know, happy iPhone friends mean they bug me less often. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Uh, I don't know. What's your thoughts? I mean, I do think it's probably going to be aimed at fixing some low light performance because I did our iPhone 14 Pro review this year. And for the most part, I loved the camera. It was, I didn't have any of the wiggly video stuff, so I didn't really Mm -hmm. have to complain about that. But it was like the low light. I was like, this could be a little better. Right. Like during the day, I had no problems. But I do agree. Did you feel it was worse than the 13 Pro or about the same? I felt like it was about the same. I I didn't go, oh, this is life changing. Right. But I wasn't like, this is a step backwards. What are we doing here? Do you feel that there was a, a specific Android phone that you have right now that was better than the iPhone 14 Pro in Olight? I think the Pixel 7 Pro continues to impress me. Yes. But that's because it it's just conti- yeah, it just continues to impress me in different ways, even if we're not talking camera. Right. But otherwise, I, I really loved what I, Apple did this year. No, I feel the same way. But again, you know, as I see the innovation, like Xiaomi's 12S Ultra with that one-inch sensor, and the, like, I've seen pictures taken with that, even in daylight. And Ryan, you have never seen photos coming from a phone like that. That thing looks like a DSLR. The lens is so good and the sensor is so big that the, you get that kind of creamy, totally natural shallow depth of feel when you take a portrait shot. And it, it's able to capture instantly just like, the, the, the grain and detail in somebody's hair, like, you're like, wait, what? You took this with a phone? Like, like yes, you're going to get a similar photo from a Samsung or an Apple or a Google phone. But when you start pixel peeping, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that. And then when you pull back, if you're a photographer and you're used to what a real glass can do and a real sensor can do, you're like, immediately you see it. And so now go to low light and start applying some of that computational stuff that you have already on the Pixel, on the iPhone, the, the, Salam, the galaxies, right? And all of a sudden you have that applied to a larger sensor with massive pixels and you can only benefit, right? Like it's just, there's no doubt about it. So I wanna see Apple get an even larger sensor and teaming up with Sony is definitely gonna be the, the, the answer because they still make so much better sensors in my opinion that anything samsung's doing like samsung's pursuing the smallest possible pixel size right now i mean 0.56 microns on their 200 megapixel hp3 sensor that's coming out soon like kudos but like the amount of noise reduction you're going to have to apply computationally for this to look good is going to be ridiculous right of course it pixel bin 16 to 1 but i'm just still saying like I'm much more excited when I see an IMX 989 with 1.6 micron pixels or two micron pixels or whatever, right? At 50 megapixels than what I am when I see like a 200 megapixel sensor. Oh, Uh, 100%, 100%, yeah. So, yeah. Well, listen, we should wrap up. Do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet, your various social media handles, you know, where you can find your writing and whatever else you're working on? All of my writing is going to be androidauthority.com. It's a lot of reviews, a lot of features. I like to complain about stuff. I'm really good at it. (laughs) 
And then Twitter, Instagram, everything is at Hyan Rains, H-Y-A-N-R-A-I-N-E-S. I'm real creative. Just swap the first and last letters of my name. Awesome. So folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm a Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character. Just drop all the vowels. That's how you remember it. It's my Twitter handle. It's my Instagram handle. If you want to discuss this podcast with me and Ryan, please go on Twitter and hit us up. You know, correct us, comment, whatever. And then, of course, if you want to see pretty pictures of phones, pretty pictures of cars, of travel, of food taken with phones, all of it, various different phones because I change them all the time. Check out my Instagram. The podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com or on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, everywhere good podcasts can be found. So please subscribe and tell your friends. If your app lets you rate or review the show, please do that. That would really help for people discovering the podcast. And then we've got a couple of YouTube channels related to the podcast, youtube.com slash mobiletechpodcast and youtube.com slash mobiletechpodcast more. The first channel is all about the phones and the wearables and the personal audio. And the second channel is all about like travel tech, car tech, home automation, a bunch of other stuff. So check those out. And you know how YouTube works. Like, subscribe, click the little bell, you know, tell your friends, comment. You can comment about the podcast, of course, if you want. So check out the YouTube channels. And then most importantly, if you want to support this podcast, I do this weekly. It's uh, in almost the fifth year now. We're almost celebrating the 300th episode. This is 297. So Patreon is where you can help me. Patreon.com slash tankerl. That's patreon.com slash T-N-K-G-R-L. Those of you who are still listening, you know, you can get this podcast on video with me and Ryan's faces <laughs> and Ryan showing his flip four earlier. You know, you can get all this ahead of the audio version, like a day or two before. And it's more raw. I don't edit it as much. Sometimes I leave additional content in there. You can get that through the Patreon. That's one of the perks. You also can join the Discord server to chat with me. So if you want to help the podcast, consider joining the Patreon, patreon.com slash tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. And of course, if you don't like that, you can still make a donation through PayPal. On the show notes, there's a link. Click through and you can buy me a coffee for five bucks or whatever. I love my coffee. <laughs> so that's so how you can help out. And of course, there's one last way you can help out, and that's through Audible. Audible is our sponsor. They've been with us for a long time. Audibletrial.com slash mobile tech is the URL. And that gives you a special deal. You get a 30-day free trial and you can keep the book at the end if you don't stay. But I think you'll stay because here's the thing. Audible is all about books and not the books that you look at with your eyes, the books that you listen to with your ears. That's the best part. Like I love reading out of books, but after being in front of my computer all day, I just want to chill out. I don't want to look at another screen. So I just put my headphones or, or earbuds on and I just listen to a book being read to me. It's not just books. They have like podcasts, like short stories. It's really wonderful. But the books is really where it's at. Any book that you want, they have. They have books read by the authors. Some of them are epically long. So, you know, if you're like, driving for FedEx or UPS even, for example, and you have to keep your eyes on the road, but you want to listen to something else and podcasts, well, Audible's got you covered. So consider helping me out by clicking through if you're not already an Audible member and joining Audible, audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. Thanks to Audible for being our longtime sponsor. And thanks to you, Ryan, for being my guest. I really appreciate it.
thank you for having me. I can say I thoroughly enjoyed my first real podcast. Yes. Well, definitely have you on again, Ryan, at some point in the future. And folks, you know we'll have another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.